Welcome to Public Safety Talk Radio, the podcast for all of our heroes in public safety, including law enforcement professionals, firefighters, EMTs, corrections officers, healthcare workers, and more. The show is produced by the POCUA and is founded upon its soundness initiative. This episode is sponsored by OfficerPrivacy.com. Are you ready to delete your information from the internet to keep you and your family safe? Then go to OfficerPrivacy.com slash POCUA for a special offer today. I am Ken Bader, your host for Public Safety Talk Radio, and I have a very intriguing guest today. Let me tell you a little bit about him. His name is Pete James, not James Pete, Pete James. I know he's got you know, two first names going there, but uh, but we'll let that slide. Uh, he is a retired law enforcement officer, so we thank him for his service right then and there. Uh, and he has a passion for the safety and security of those in the profession. That's why he started OfficerPrivacy.com, which we're obviously going to talk about. It offers a full range of privacy services that removes clients' personal information from the internet so they and their family can feel safe and secure in their home. And don't we all need that? Pete, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. I appreciate uh, being on your show. Oh, good to my, be here. My pleasure. My pleasure. Well, let's first talk about your law enforcement career. Uh, because I understand you were in computer forensics for the Sacramento County Sheriff's Department. Uh, was What was that like? Was that some kind of fancy CSI thing, or were you just sitting there looking through data all day? <laughs> uh, yeah, toward the end of my career, I focused on computer forensics. Uh, and uh, But, uh, you know, overall, yeah, I did 25 years with the Sheriff's Department. I nice. spent about a third of my time working in our jails, a third in patrol, and a third in investigations. Uh, I did end up uh, promoting a couple times, so I I did leave as a lieutenant, uh, but uh, toward the tail end of my career, I started doing uh, digital forensics, um, mostly because uh, there was a need for it, and uh, we did have the task force. We had the ICAC uh, task force and the high-tech task force, and they would uh, uh, formally be responsible for handling those cases, uh, but their backlog was such that uh, there was a need for it, and so I started uh, learning and ended up working those cases quite a bit. Sure. Is that, is that kind of how you started off in law enforcement to do that computer forensic job or were you um, an officer in full uniform in a car or, or did you start out some other way? Yeah. So I, uh, uh, before law enforcement, I spent a few years living on an aircraft carrier. Oh, nice. Uh, I was on, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was on the USS John F. Kennedy, which was based out of Norfolk, Virginia, mm-hmm. and uh, did a few years there, uh, left, went to school, and uh, had a couple odd jobs here and there and started my law enforcement career. So yeah, I worked, uh, as, as you know, sheriff's departments, they have the jails. So you start in the jail, rotate out to patrol. And like I said, I spent uh, about a third of my career uh, in working the jails, a third working patrol and then a third working investigations. It was when I was working investigations where I saw the need for uh, uh, digital forensics work. And uh, that's when I picked that up. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't too long ago. I, I've never been a police officer, first responder, but you know, obviously have a, a ton of respect for everybody in those professions. 
but I was surprised to learn, and I think it was just a year ago, that everybody in the sheriff's department, I think in the state of California, um, starts out working in the prison system. Did I, did I get that right? Is that correct? So, you know, there are 58 counties in California. Some, some agencies have dedicated correctional officers within their sheriff's departments. Right. Uh, others, you rotate through. You generally start at the jails, and then uh, when you're eligible, you you uh, transfer out to patrol. With us, because we had the jail, and that's how it was set up for us, every single time you promote, you end up going back to the jails. Hmm. So that's why I ended up uh, uh, going back to working the jails a few times. But then from there, you end up rotating out to patrol. Interesting. Interesting. Well, I could definitely dig more into that, but I, I want to learn a little bit more uh, about officerprivacy.com, um, especially because, you know, here in 2021, I, I think it's it's such a, a necessary service for our law enforcement professionals and their families. Um, but it, when it comes to, to that particular business, did your work in computer forensics uh, kind of lead you to starting that business you know, or was there another motivation? So after I left law enforcement and I retired at the end of 2013, uh, I worked for several years uh, in uh, computer forensics as a consultant. So I worked for a couple e-discovery companies in a, in a large corporation doing uh, online investigations and digital forensics cases. And these were all civil cases. None, none were criminal defense. They were all they were all civil cases, uh, mostly intellectual property theft and and um, you know inappropriate conduct on mm -hmm. you know with their digital devices. So those types of investigations. Uh, so I was doing online investigations and I was using the sites that you know we'll talk about in a few minutes. But sure. I was using these sites on a regular basis to do research, and you know I always knew these sites existed and I always knew that yeah you could. You could go in there and take the information off, but I really felt like, okay, it's overwhelming. It's just, uh, it, it, there are so many sites, you know, there's nothing you can do. You know, you're gonna get put back on the sites and, and what good is it, right? You're just chasing your tail. And, you know, the bottom line is that's not the case. There is something you can do about it. And, you know, it just takes, you know, it, it takes diligence yourself doing it or, you know, you end up hiring us and then we take care of it for you. But um, yeah, these sites that I'm talking about, uh, I refer to them as people search sites. And you've probably heard of them, White yeah. Pages, Spokio, Intelius Radaris, been verified, these sites. And the, the danger to officers is that these sites list your home address, your date of birth, your email address, your phone number, the names of your relatives. Now, you know, maybe for, you know, the average everyday person, it's okay that that information is there or maybe they don't care. Mm -hmm. But for officers, it's a huge problem because an officer is involved in an incident or maybe if they're not involved in an incident, maybe if they just arrest someone who is unhappy that they're getting arrested, next thing you know is they're getting on the internet and they're researching you and they're finding out where you live. Now a word from the POCUA. The POCUA can suggest a credit union that serves public safety professionals in practically every state in the country. 
While we can suggest a number of local and regional institutions that serve first responders, when a police officer resides in a state without a POCUA member organization, we are proud to refer him or her to the National Police Credit Union. The National Police Credit Union was born out of a desire to serve those who serve and protect. As a division of Chicago Patrolman's Federal Credit Union, the National Police Credit Union builds upon over 80 years of expertise in the financial services industry. The National Police Credit Union's goal is to bring police credit union access to every officer who currently does not enjoy the benefits that access brings them. For information about the National Police Credit Union, go to nationalpolicecu.com or call 844-COP-SAVE. To find a POCUA credit union nearest you, go to policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't banking with a POCUA credit union, you're just working with an institution that just so happens to serve public safety professionals, and you deserve better. All right, we're back uh, for uh, those folks in the audience, whether especially those that are watching the video version. Yeah, this is the fun part <laughs> of doing these shows because we had a major Wi-Fi problem uh, last Friday afternoon. So if you see the lighting a little bit different or the fact that I'm no longer drinking water and I'm drinking uh, Blue Line Roasting Company, which is a damn good coffee, by the way, uh, is because it's now Monday morning. It's one of those things that you just roll with. Uh, so thanks for coming back, Pete. <laughs> oh, mm. My pleasure. Thanks for having me again. Where we left off is we were talking about officer privacy. And you were talking about the fact that there are a lot of these sites out there that can find your information. In fact, we're exactly where you left it off is you were talking about somebody could go to a site and find a law enforcement spouse's name and address and things of that nature. So why don't you pick it up there? Because that's very serious. Sure. I, well, these sites, they expose your, your information, your home address, your email address, your phone number, the names of your relatives. And uh, let's say, you know, they don't want to go after the officer. Now, the biggest risk, taking a step back, the biggest risk is that these people show up at your front door and they harm you or your family. Right. But even in addition to that, let's say they just want to make your life miserable. Let's say they just want to be a thorn in your side, which they well, can one do. way to do it. Yeah. One way to do it, identify your spouse. And let's say they don't go to the extreme and harm your spouse. Let's say they figure out where she works because she's on social media. And let's say they make some baseless complaint against your spouse. Uh, let's say your spouse has an online store that's reliant on reviews they'll get together and say, post bad reviews about this, this spouse's business. Um, so, you know, the many different ways that you can be harassed, it's not always the direct, I'm going to show up at your front door, I'm going to throw a Molotov cocktail through your front window, or I'm going to show up at your kid's school. You know, it's, it's, it's indirect as well. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that you point that out. Um, yeah, I often mention I cover true crime for Podcast Magazine, and one 
really top-notch podcast is a show called Strictly Stalking, um, which goes a little bit deeper than entertainment. It's it's also very educational for somebody unfortunate to to actually have been stalked or are being stalked now. And it's interesting, you know, the, the level of stress and uh, just, you know, it, irritation yeah i'm not even using the right words is off the charts on what some of these folks will do to to just screw up your entire life uh on so many levels whether it be online or in person or what have you without even touching you certainly and i always recommend that you do a vulnerability assessment on yourself you figure out what you can find out about yourself online check you know start with a google search and then check social media sites you know are your accounts open or are they closed uh the friends that you have when if it, if it is closed and somebody wants to join your network are you really sure that that person is who you think it is and just because they have other law enforcement friends um doesn't mean they're really who they are i mean yeah. these people are smart they're going to create fake profiles they're going to, you know, post that they support law enforcement and and make posts like this, but it doesn't really mean that that's who they are. They're they're crafty, they're smart, uh, they're evil, and you got to be careful and uh, you know not to be paranoid. You don't want to live your life as a paranoid wreck, but <laughs> you just got to be careful and expect yeah. that they are crafty and they will um, use methods, you know, to get inside your head and to get inside your social network. And then yeah. to get you to share, you share your opinions, which you think are maybe, you know, just between you and that person, it turns out they're not. Mm -hmm. Then you end up in court or on the front page of the newspaper with, with something you said, uh, maybe years prior. And that happens all the time. Yeah, these these folks uh, may be evil and crazy, but they're definitely not stupid. <laughs> yeah, it also kind of reminds me as you were speaking, especially from a law enforcement professional standpoint, um, something that I definitely learned from my police friends is just a, a basic necessity to be aware. You don't necessarily need to be paranoid, but be aware of your surroundings. Um, and yeah, you know, I have friends that are, are not in law enforcement that, uh, <laughs> that, that, that tell me that I've been around my cop friends too much because I observe things that other people just don't see, you know, the person on the corner that's, you know, kind of looking at us and talking to a couple other guys or, you know, somebody that walks into a restaurant or bar or somebody even a block away that just, it just doesn't seem right. And, you know, I'm not paranoid about it, but yeah, I, I very well may just cross the street and avoid it. Sure, sure. It's that uh, sixth sense that you have in the back of your head. You don't, you may not be able to fully process it in the in the front part of your brain, but it's yeah. definitely there, and it's and it's it's uh, and it's helping you. I would recommend that if you've had social media for a while, and if you post a lot, or even if you don't post a lot, might want to be a good time to go through your old posts and 
just make sure that there's nothing inflammatory out there. Uh, when, when an incident happens, and likely now even before an incident, just as background, uh, these people, these groups, these organizations, they're going through officers' sites and they are looking and, and, and they're downloading it. They may never use it, but they're downloading as much as they can. Fast forward a week, a month, a year, two years, five years. If you're involved in an incident, or let's say you're just on camera speaking about an event and what you have said will be taken out of context, they're gonna bring up these old tweets, these old posts, and they're gonna use them to harm you. They're gonna use them to make you look bad. They're gonna take them out of context and it's gonna go viral. So, you know, not only think about your posts from today forward, but sure. think about your old posts. You know, the headlines are, um, we'll see headlines that are, that'll talk about, oh, you know, three years ago, five years ago, this, you know, editor of this magazine posted uh, a tweet or made a, or went to a, went to a certain party and then it gets, it just gets blown up. So, um, and then, you know, the editor loses their job as well as sure. anybody who, who dared support them. So, you know, think about what you're posting and go back to your old posts and review those and make sure those are, those would be okay. Those would be seen okay today. Um, again, it's, you know, do what you can to prevent yeah. uh, any future problems. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Um, you know, I can remember things, you know, even, you know, to a certain extent to, to anybody listening, not necessarily in law enforcement or as a first responder, you know, there are things that, you know, you believed five, six, seven years ago that seem, you know, very sane. And then other times, you know, three or four years later, you're thinking, you know, things have changed, you know, I wasn't quite right, you know, in my thinking, and I've changed my thinking, which, you know, in the United States, you're certainly able to change your thinking. That's right. <laughs> you know, that you might want to, you know, take some of that stuff off. So that's, that's great advice. Let's dig in a little bit more into the business of officerprivacy.com. Uh, I'm interested in hearing uh, where most of your business comes from. For instance, is it a particular region? Uh, is it a particular state? Um, or is it possibly, and I've seen this as well, um, is it, is the, are the requests coming directly from the law enforcement professional or possibly that professional spouse? Because I know in a number of cases is kind of a little bit tongue in cheek. I, I've talked to many police wives out there and they will say, yeah, my husband's out there, you know, having fun catching bad guys and I'm raising four kids and taking care of the finances and everything. It's, it's me that cares about the privacy more than, than my husband, the officer, just as, as an example. So where are you getting uh, most of your business? Where's that coming from? Yeah, Ken, definitely. We do get a lot of accounts from the spouses of the wives because they are at home. Uh, and um, so uh, first, you know, officerprivacy.com, what we do is we remove 
our clients information from the top 30 people search sites that show their home address and their email address and their phone number. So our, our staff, uh, we are all uh, former or current law enforcement officers, all based here in the US. And we will go through the sites and we will remove their information. And once their information is removed, we will monitor those sites. And when their information comes back up again, uh, repopulates on those sites, we remove them again. Uh, we have clients, we have thousands of uh, clients in all 50 states. Um, and looking at the data, uh, the majority of, the, of our clients are from the highest population states. Uh, but they're, you know, all 50 states. Um, half of our clients are not law enforcement officers. You know, oh. even though my focus is uh, our officers, uh, half of my clients are not. They're attorneys, they're realtors, um, they're, they're people who have been victims of Bookies. stalking yeah. and harassment. Um, <laughs> they're, they're, they're all... Sorry, I had to toss that in there just for some comic <laughs> relief, but continue, Pete. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, we have uh, a lot of the times it is the it is the spouse or the girlfriend of the husband because, um, you know, they're back at home or, you know, they're on social media sometimes more than the officer and they see all the garbage that's going around and all the hate that's going around. And um, and so they are the ones that take the steps to sign up their their spouse. Yeah, interesting. You know, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about um, the stalking aspect until I brought it up earlier on our discussion, and and you mentioned it. But yes, I I could see how that would be, how your service would be a very very valuable and almost protective service of anybody that's a, a victim of stalking out there. Sure, and there's also, uh, there's also the the identity theft side of it. So on, so these sites, they show our full name, including our middle name, our home address, our email address, and um, phone numbers and the name of relatives. So let's say uh, they have our email address and we don't think of protecting our email address because we hand it out to everyone. But if you think about it, in many of our online accounts, our email account is half of what somebody needs to log into that account, right? Yep. It's the username. The other half is our password. And you've heard about all these data breaches, right? All these companies are constantly getting breached and, and then the data gets, the data from these companies uh, is being downloaded and, and um, analyzed. And what they're seeing with these data breaches are the passwords of accounts. So you have the username an email account, and then you have a password. So somebody goes to the site, they find an officer's email address, their private email addresses. They collect the data, they get the data, review the data. There are sites online where you can review that data. Now they have some potential passwords. They use those potential passwords with the username, and there are programs where you can hit hundreds and thousands of sites all at one time with potential username and passwords, and you hope to get lucky and log into their accounts. So now somebody has access to your account. Um, now, some of these breaches, sometimes they have passwords, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they're, you, can, you can see them uh, in English. Sometimes it's, um, uh, sometimes it's not, it's, it's converted to a hash, which means you have to um, convert it back, which 
sometimes is is not difficult it's easy to do so uh so you have that side of it the other side that i mentioned is you have names of your relatives now let's say you go on one of these sites you find out the officer's name you find out the officer's spouse you find out the officer's mother you go to the mother's site and you can find yeah. out her maiden name mm -hmm. so now you have a common answer to a security question when you set up an online account. So none of this is good. None of this is good that it's open on the internet. You don't need an account to get this information. You don't need to pay any money to get this information. It's all out there. It's all open and it's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're exactly right. Um, one of the, well, the POC way, which, uh, which produces the show, one of our um, longest standing partners is Vero that offers uh, identity theft solutions, especially recovery um, through a couple of our police credit unions, the main one being the National Police Credit Union. And we stress um, to officers and lay people, you know, how important it is to, you know, do some basic things on your end to protect yourself. And, uh, you yeah, kind of like we talked about before, you know, that sixth sense too, just being aware of, of what's, what's going on. If you, if you see something strange, whether it's from an identity theft standpoint or something on social media or a text or something, yeah, if you see something strange, then do something about it. You know, delete it, you know, call, call your credit card company, you know, look and see exactly who that person is on social media, something, you know, don't just ignore it. <laughs> sure. sure, and those services that provide help after you've been a victim of identity theft are, are good and helpful, but I'd rather you not be a victim of identity theft to Correct. begin with so that you don't have to go through that hassle, so you don't need their service. It's kind of like, you know, locking your car door and locking the front door of your house so you don't get burglarized. Uh, yeah, the cops will show up and they'll try and find your stuff for you, but it's just better not to be a victim in the first place. Yeah, yeah, ex exactly. Which is why I always make sure the car doors are locked every night before I go to bed. Uh, <laughs> you know, Pete, you've given us so much great information already. But is there possibly one number one tip out there for officers and their families when it comes to officer privacy that you want to share out there with our audience? You know, just just take it seriously and be proactive. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mentioned, you know, Googling yourself and doing a, a vulnerability assessment on yourself and know what's out there about you. Be educated, be knowledgeable know what somebody would find out if they were doing research on you. Uh, you know, Google yourself, is your, is your address available on these sites? If it is, either, you know, decide what am I gonna do now? Uh, your social media, what am I sharing on my social media? Are they open or are they private? Um, you know, just be aware of, of it you know, don't stick your head in the sand and think, well, you know, it's never going to happen to me. I live in a small town or I have a desk job or, you know, I'm not, you know, this is never going to happen here or, you know, the community loves me. Um, you know, I'm a school resource officer or I'm a, you know, I work with the community. They, they like me. They don't, you know, I'm not, you know, don't have that, don't have that thinking. They, um, you know, the people who are anti-law enforcement in this country, if you wear a badge, you are a target. Yeah. And uh, be knowledgeable, be educated, 
and be proactive. Yeah. Great, great advice. Um, you know, uh, I don't, I don't wear a real badge. I wear one on my shirt for public safety talk radio. And I, I think that I'm a target sometimes just be, just because I'm a, a first responder supporter some days on uh, for those folks out there. I know a lot of first responders make sure they protect themselves and their family and their homes with, with firearms and security and ladders and all kinds of things. Make sure that you're using officer privacy or some other service, but officer privacy certainly offers it um, to protect yourself online as well. Uh, Pete, thank you so much for, for joining me twice in essence <laughs> and being such a good sport. Uh, most of all, given so much insightful information. Thank you very much, Ken. I appreciate it. Thank you again. And thank you for either watching or listening to this episode of Public Safety Talk Radio. And we will be back with you next week with another great guest. Take care, stay safe. Public Safety Talk Radio is produced by the POCUA. POCUA is a consortium of financial institutions serving law enforcement as well as other first responders and public safety professionals. To learn more about our association and to find one of our credit unions or service providers near you, go to www.policecreditunions.com. And always remember, if you aren't working with one of our POCUA credit unions, you're just banking with an institution that just so happens to serve first responders. As a public safety professional, you and your family deserve better. Find a POCUA credit union today.